There's something outside. What is that? Radio listeners, this is your host Gunnar Monson. I am flying solo today, as my good friend Shane is um, has been out at the Olympic with the Olympic Project group this weekend. Um, they had a public expedition. I should say we, as I am also a member of uh, the OP, but I was not able to make it. I had an important track meet to go to uh, this weekend, and for Jake. Yeah, our 13-year-old, and he was uh, running and jumping um, his little heart out. So um, we did manage to catch the uh, new Guardians of the Galaxy movie last night, so that was fun. Um, with us today uh, is Mr. Jeff Byers and Jean St. Joan uh, of Creature Replica. They're gonna, we're going to be talking with them shortly. I did want to take a second to give a shout out to uh, our Monster X listener and and my good buddy Paul Costco. Paul, there's your shout out, my friend, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Talk first with uh, J.C. Mercer from uh, here in Oregon. J.C. is is uh, putting on a new uh, festival this this year uh, in Oregon. Uh, August 19th out in uh, Troutdale. I know that uh, Cliff Berrickman's going to be there. JC, are you there? I am. How you doing, Gunner? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, buddy. So tell us a little bit what you got planned for for uh, the first annual Oregon Bigfoot Festival. It is the first, correct? Yeah. Uh, actually, yes, this is the first one. Uh, right. Yeah, Saturday, August, Saturday, August 19th. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Glen Auto Park in Troutdale, Oregon. Uh, we'll be asking for a $5 donation for adults and $2 for kids 12 and under. Uh, we'll have uh, food vendors. We'll have Bigfoot merchandise, um, carnival-style games. Uh, there's a Bigfoot photo booth. Uh, plus, we'll also have uh, Cliff Rackman from Finding Bigfoot. Uh, he'll speak at our VIP conference. Um, what else do we have? We have uh, mini golf, and uh, <laughs> all, yeah, exactly. There's all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, we're excited about it. Uh, we'll be shooting a commercial there as well. Um, what else we have going on? Uh, you kind of name it. It's uh, we're really excited about it. It's the first uh, Bigfoot festival in Oregon. Uh, Bigfoot's been included been included in other festivals, uh, but never a standalone. So we're really excited about that. Well, tell tell me a little bit about this VIP conference that that you've got Cliff speaking at. What's that okay. entail? Uh, we'll, uh, Cliff's gonna, going to speak at three sessions in the Sam Cox Building, which is located on the fairground, or not not fairgrounds, um, in the park. And so people will have have uh, three choices to choose from. You can go to our website and choose which uh, which session you would like. Uh, Cliff will be speaking for an hour and a half. It's a meet and greet. Uh, we're only asking $35, uh, so everybody will have a chance to go there, listen to him, uh, meet him, get autographs, uh, pictures, and all that. So um, Cliff's going to be putting on a presentation. I've heard Cliff speak uh, several times, and he he knows the subject inside and out and, and is well very well-spoken uh, uh, individual. So if you haven't had a chance to, to – uh, Listen to Cliff Berkman from Finding Bigfoot, which they just got done filming the last episode down in Willow Creek uh, last weekend, and so it's uh, 
but Cliff, Cliff is really well spoken, and he he's a Bigfoot nerd, self self described <laughs> Bigfoot nerd, and and has uh, I've seen him do a presentation on footprints. I've seen him do uh, another presentation on on like some history, and, uh, and he used to of course be a, a grade school teacher, so he really knows how to put together oh, a great presentation. Yeah, and uh, uh, so if yeah, if you have a chance to uh, go to what is the your website, JC? Uh, the website is OregonBigfootFestival.Weebly.com. Okay, can you spell the Weebly part? Sure. W <laughs> E. I know, right? Right. Uh, it's a. It's actually a. It's actually a free site that we're using to keep the cost down. Right. Sure. <laughs> so uh, Weebly is W W E E B L Y. All right. Weebly.com. Oregon. Yeah. Oregon. Bigfoot Festival. We dot weebly dot com. Yes. Oregon Bigfoot All right. Festival dot dot weebly dot com. All and right. you can also find us on Facebook. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook. And uh, I forgot to mention that we also have a professional story uh, book teller um, named uh, Emmy Blue and the Squatchy. And so she'll <laughs> be there for the kids. Uh, yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> so, yeah. Sounds cool. Uh, yeah. So we have uh, stuff for the kids. Uh, Go ahead. And adults. No, it's all right. I'm yeah. I'm planning on being there. Yeah, I'm um if I and I may be coming as a vendor or a Sasquatch coffee. And, but I definitely if not either way I'm gonna be there. So uh I will Excellent. definitely uh, look forward to meeting you in person and uh and enjoying the first ever Oregon Bigfoot Festival. Again, that's coming up in August the nineteenth out in Troutdale, Oregon. Look it up online. You can find if you just Google Oregon Bigfoot Festival. I'm sure you can find it. So get your tickets yeah. to go go uh, meet Cliff and and listen to his presentation and enjoy the festivities. JC, thanks for joining us today. We'll have you back on again here before uh, before the festival and talk a little bit more about it. That sounds great, Gunnar. Thanks a lot for letting me uh, be on your uh, on your program. You bet. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Bye bye. Now I, I'm gonna my my uh, buddy Jeff Byers uh, is one of the the uh, gentlemen uh, involved in creature replica, and um, I'm gonna let them tell you about their. We're gonna talk some Bigfoot. We're gonna talk about how they they came to uh, start this company because we've also got uh, an extremely talented sculpture and um, artists and Jeff's want to just partner Gene with us too. So let's bring them on and get started with Monster Radio. Monster X Radio, I guess it's called, yeah. But it's it's actually Creature Replica Day at Monster X Radio. Gentlemen, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Gunner. <laughs> hey. So I, I know I've got Jeff and, and is it Gene? How do you pronounce it? Uh, because it's, of course, French. It's Gene? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How are you guys today? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Wonderful. Man. How are you doing? Good. Well, Jeff, I know you just got back from uh, doing a Bigfoot investigation. We were talking a little bit before, so um, why are you going to? Let's start with you, Jeff, and, and tell us who you are and and what it is exactly that that you do. Um, that's a small. Yeah. Massive question. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Jeff Byers, and uh, you know, along with you know what what we do for a living or whatever, we we um, it, we kind of came together as a group to start this toy company. It's kind of how our love for this subject matter manifested itself, you know. And and um, in conversations with Gene, because uh, Gene's kind of like. You know, I was first a little bit uh, starstruck when I was talking to Gene because he is, you know, I use the word famous, but he is one of arguably the best sculptors, you know, right now. And, and as far as toys and, you know, and action figures, there's just, he's the man. And and uh, we had chatted about doing, you know, a, a line of cryptid type stuff. And in the course of that, I, I learned that, you know, he had this incredible knowledge <laughs> of the subject matter and and this love of it and it just it just fit perfectly we didn't have to 
make it happen. It just kind of happened on its own, if that makes sense. Um, and that that was shoot. We started this conversation five years ago uh, is when the beginning conversation started. So it took it took a couple years there to come to fruition. Um, last year was you know we actually had product and and uh, I think up to that point right now it's. Uh, you know, other than go into the gory details, <laughs> it worked out great. I couldn't, you know, I, I'm very proud of what we do, and I'm very proud to be working with somebody like Gene. Well, you, you, yeah, you guys are. I mean, what you guys do is super cool. I mean, it's I, you know, I collected like models and stuff as a as a kid, but uh, I actually have one of the um, the Skookum. Uh, which was an event exclusive model at the International Bigfoot Conference this last year. So, um, in fact, it uh, holds a proud display area on my desk with my other Sasquatch paraphernalia. But it, 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 they're, they're really cool. Yeah, they're super cool. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, everything has a story behind it. And uh, that was. That just worked out good, you know. We met we met Russ, and and uh, that one kind of happened just on its own as well. You know, we were proud of that. That and Gene already had the knowledge of that particular, you know, the the accounts and and the, how he was going to look. And and when that the conference from that area happened, the first the first IBC, it just was a perfect fit. And and this they are this one is actually a limited edition and they're numbered because I've got number three hundred forty three of five hundred so that that kind of makes them collect even more collectible. Oh, they they are they and they, we have uh, very few of the Skookum left. In fact, he might be retired shortly. And we actually retired the, uh, the silverback one that was for the Ohio Bigfoot Conference last year. He he went pretty quick. Um, that's what you know. As far as that, we got we have several variants of stuff we're doing, you know, and and the variants go quick. You're right; they're very popular, especially when they're numbered like that. And we only do 500 of them. Right. So, so Gene, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in in creature replica? Okay. Um, my name is Gene St. Gene. I've been making toys and action figures for. I think about 22 or 23 years now. And uh, <clears throat> I got into it in, in a, uh, as a side job doing uh, dolls and preschool toys kind of as a hobby at first, and then it became a regular thing. And then after doing that for about five years, I worked at uh, McFarland Toys for almost seven years, and I was the sculpting supervisor there for the last few years of my stint there. And then from there, I split from them and started working freelance, and I do stuff for Diamond Select Toys and DC Direct. And through those guys, I do a lot of Marvel and DC Comics stuff and a lot of movie properties like Sin City and Kill Bill and um, just about anything that comes down the pipe at me that I like to do. At, at this point, I can kind of select the projects that I want or don't want. And... um a few years ago, I met Jeff through a friend of mine who I used to work with, and uh, he had told me that Jeff was looking for somebody to do a cryptid baseline primarily, you know, Bigfoot, Yeti, and things like that. And I basically told him, I was like, well, just stop right there. Just tell the dude to call me because I'm already totally <laughs> into the subject matter. And uh, as I, I got into the whole Sasquatch phenomena when I was probably in fourth or fifth grade, we had these little reading magazines in the back of the classroom and some of them, they would have uh, different subjects to get kid interested, kids interested in reading. And one of them had um, Dick Smith with the planet of the apes makeup on the cover. Another one had a, one of those blurry fin shots of Nessie under the water from Loch Ness. And one of them was the famous frame from the PG film. And I had never heard of that before because it was just before, um, Sasquatch ended up being on Six Million Dollar Man. So I knew nothing about it and I was reading it and I was just blown away that there was a possibility that this eight foot eight man was living, you know, in the United States someplace and that people had actually seen it. So that hooked me right there. So for a long time, 
I was interested in that. And of course I was into um, all sorts of monster comic books and movies. And like you're talking about, you're probably talking about like the Aurora model kits from the seventies of the stuff that I uh, collected yep. to as a kid. And, and um, then I kind of got out of it for a long time because I was into music. So I played in bands for years and years. And then when I was like 20 or 28 or 29, is when I got into sculpting. And that's when I got my first sculpting job and all that other stuff I mentioned about um, McFarland toys and eventually came around to uh, talking to Jeff and he had a real passion for the subject as I did. And we just kind of let it evolve kind of organically as far as, you know, what characters we were going to do, you know, what cryptids and how they were going to look. And eventually, um, he brought on a couple of his other friends, uh, Nick Epley and, and Craig Deer, to also be part of the backing team on the thing. And so the, the company is basically a four-man team that does absolutely everything from soup to nuts, which is, you know, all the artwork, all the concept work, all of the legal and accounting work, all the logistics and shipping and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty much for people doing it other than, you know, when those guys press some of their family members into service at the warehouse. <laughs> but, uh, yes. So it, um, and, so getting involved in the toy company brought me just like a few years, maybe five years ago or so I got heavily back into the whole subject and it was around the time that people were first talking about, um, the, uh, fingerprints, in you know, the stuff with Jimmy Chilcutt and everything, you know, the, uh, the ridges and stuff. And um, then there was the, the hoax with the, the freezer hoax with those idiots down in Georgia <laughs> or whatever. And uh, oh, yeah. so there was a lot of, there was a lot of hubbub around the subject. And I came across an interview with a guy named John Kassar who wrote a book called recasting Bigfoot. And um, actually his, his, concept of how the various potential species of Bigfoot creatures around the country um, came to be kind of sucked me back into it because I had never heard theories like that before. It's very biologically based. There's no, you know, like psychedelic nonsense. But um, so I found him on Facebook and was like, dude, you know, I read your book. I really dug it. And, you know, and after a little while, we sort of became friends on there. And that's where the Skookum head sculpt came from. Is It's heavily influenced by his research work in his book because he, he kind of hypothesized that some of these variations on creature um, biology that you see, like some with more human noses, some with more of a flatter nose and things like that, his idea was that some of these could actually be apish like ape-like versions of different monkeys, kind of like that uh, Loisy ape that was reported in uh, South America. And that old photograph where it's kind of propped up on the, the oil crate with the stick. And a lot yeah, of people looked at it as, you know what I'm talking about, right? That, yep, yep and, I do. So the, the consensus with a lot of scientists was that was basically a spider monkey that they cut the tail off stuck it on a smaller box. And then the whole hoax was that it was actually just a monkey and not like a gigantic version. Cause the, those guys had claimed that two of those things had attacked them and they were like five feet tall, but they were tailless. So they weren't monkeys. They were more an ape like kind of version of that. So John's uh, theory was that some of these types of creatures, rather than coming across the, uh, the land bridge, like the theory of the Gigantopithecus, potentially some sort of evolved version of that coming across with the early Native Americans. Part of his theory is that... What's that? Oh, just, we got some kind of feedback there. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I was like, like, oh, somebody, gr somebody grunted or belched or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> somebody let the cows Dang out. <laughs> Dang it, Jeff. But, uh, <laughs> but so the idea was that some of these creatures were actually um, old world monkeys that traveled up from South America and that 
those would be more of your skookum variety, whereas the variety that was more um, in the Canadian territories and the Pacific Northwest would be more of the classic kind of gigantopithecus type, paddy type creature. You know, so mm-hmm. those are some of the things that inform some of the decisions and how I kind of ended up where I am mentally with all this stuff. So, yeah. well, Gene, I I uh, have to ask you: Have you had a Bigfoot experience? No, no. My interest is uh, is kind of purely intellectual at this point. You know, I've read a mm-hmm. lot of books on the subject. And uh, I am I am one of the dreaded armchair researchers that everyone loves to hate or <laughs> hates to hate. <laughs> I have Actually, a lot of opinions and <clears throat> yeah, but you have a lot, a lot of, of opinions, you, but you, no field experience. and knowledge. Yeah, but that's okay. It, that's um, <clears throat> I always think it's cool to talk to people that have uh, done a lot of research into the subject. I started out kind of you know as a kid reading. John Green's books and, and, you know, with mm-hmm. in search of, and, and, uh, you know, I've read, uh, quite a few books as an adult. I, I tend to like to read stuff around the subject. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I did read, uh, Grover Krantz, Bigfoot Krantz, cause there's, you now here's a scientist that, that is approaching the subject. Yeah. And, but, uh, and, uh, I've read, uh, Dr. Meldrum's book and, uh, but I, I like to read like things on biology and and uh, uh, primatology and stuff that you know that would help helps us uh, maybe uh, be a little bit more prepared in the field. But I think mm-hmm. it's cool to read uh, about all the history and and that kind of stuff too. So yeah, I agree. I think it has to be a balance, you know, because mm-hmm. there's because there's so little that that's actually known about these creatures that can be. You know, like, not that you want to call everybody a liar, but you have to have a consensus of data. If you're going right. to say that, if you're going to say that they look this way, they have a human type nose, they have this, they have that, they have no sclera around their eyes, or they do have it. There's no consensus on any of that stuff. There's not even a consensus on the peak skull. So, you know, at some point you have to look at similar topics to t- kind of draw on, which means your best bet is to go back and study pre-human history and to study Mm -hmm. other primates because then you have kind of a vocabulary to pick from as far as how to explain certain things. You know, why would they have a certain type of nose? And as I understand it, it has something to do with climate, you know, how you, how the moisture is stored in the nasal passages or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I think I heard something, heard uh, Meldrum explain it at one point on a lecture thing, but, you know, so, I mean, you try to find topics that are related. I try to stay away from the stuff that's potentially an incredible waste of time. You know, the portal stuff, you know, the stuff with portals, the munchkins coming through the portals, and I, yeah, I blow all that stuff off. But, you know, I mean, I'd like to say that you can't really discard anything, because I have a lot of... I have a lot of strange beliefs too. My spiritual beliefs lean more into Wicca and modern witchcraft and stuff. So I'm not saying that I don't have a lot of nutty beliefs either, but I don't think the stuff pertains to this specifically, but that's my opinion. You know, if they turn out to have, you know, alien overlords and they're getting dropped off by UFOs and they're jumping in and out of portals like Stargate or something, you know, God bless them. (laughs) But, Okay. Until, well, that's all. That's it. all the time we have. <laughs> that's all the time we have for Monster Trek today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. No, uh, I, I'm a very much. How many demographics you know, did I just piss off there? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's. I don't mind talking to people, and I have friends that that claim to have had some weird stuff happen. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's, the thing is, is that 99.9 percent of all reported interaction is very uh, animalistic, you know. If, if right. there's some, some things that just don't make sense, that and, it, and it's either one or the other, or you've got two different things out there that are completely different entities. But uh, 
because mm-hmm. Bigfoot either either is, you know, one or the other. It's not both. It's just like people say, I believe in Bigfoot or I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't, it, it doesn't, belief really doesn't factor into it. I think it's just uh, the way that yeah. people state it. You know, it's like Bigfoot either exists or it doesn't exist. Our, our believing in it doesn't, doesn't factor in at all. So, and it's just yeah. like people say, we need to we need to prove they exist to protect their environment. Well, Breakfast doesn't care if we prove they exist, you know. They but mm-hmm. I'm sure they care if we destroy their environment. But right. So yeah. so Jeff, Jeff, tell, yes. tell, um you were out this. You are actually um, involved with Ohio Night Stalkers. That's the right name. Yes, sir. Ohio Night Stalkers. Mike Feltner, Mike Miller, Cody Polly, and T.J. Owens. The the two Mikes. I actually met him at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. I'll go ahead. Yeah, that's a. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead. You you were actually out. Actually, um, I actually walked in the door from the woods about I don't know, ten minutes before the show was starting today. I love going out and you know I'm always, of course, if I'm in the woods, I'm I'm quote unquote bigfooting. I'm hoping that you know to have some kind of encounter. <laughs> you were out actually doing an investigation. You said so. Can you tell us a little about about what you were doing this weekend? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a. I guess I need to preface it. You know, I get I get a little heat once in a while because you show up at an event and you're selling toys. So basically, you're a, a salesman. You're kind of taking advantage of the topic. You know, and and I, hear I don't I don't I don't voice my opinion a lot. You know about about it because people don't know me. People don't know what I mm-hmm. do or what my whole life. You know, I think 1985 I wrote my senior term paper on Bigfoot. I mean it's it's been a it's been a long time and it's a very private thing because as I get into it and I learn more I have an infinite amount of questions because it I I get more confused if that if that makes sense. And I have been blessed mm-hmm. by hooking up with with uh, the Ohio Night Stalkers and, and I've got to go out when, when I mean, they do they do investigations and they try to help people and, and new areas and and they cover you know Ohio and West Virginia and Kentucky and and a lot of different areas and and every time I get the chance because it's a six hour drive from my house to their house before mm-hmm. we can go and uh, <laughs> I've been very blessed to be able to it's been a little over a year, a year and a half the first time I went um, with them. Now, I did have what I thought were experiences as I was younger. I mean, we do, I've always, part of what I do for a living, I do dirt work. You know, we build ponds and tear out timber and stuff like that and, and improve land. And uh, I've heard some things, and you kind of leave it at that. And you're like, well, you know, I, that's, I hope. I want it. I want that to be. I want that to be. But I, I don't, I didn't really know. But when I met these guys and they they kind of, you know, took a trusting, you know, they're like, we trust you. You know, I got to go on some very intense, uh, I call them expeditions, um, to meet with people and go to areas where current stuff is happening. You know, and it's been very, very eye-opening in the past year. I mean, I'm the type of guy that was, you know, I do, I, I am a believer, but you're still kind of on the fence. You know, you're like, well, it's got to be, you know, and, and, but I haven't shook hands with one, you know, so, and, and there's all these questions, the same questions I get now, you know, how, why is there not a body, you know, why is just stuff that there's answers for, but you don't readily have an answer for it. You know, I was that guy. And then last year, the first time I went, the first time I went kind of, that well did change my life, you know, and, and I don't talk about it. It is very private, you know, and, and I, I don't, because, I, I'm not intelligent enough about it. I mean, I haven't read every book and I haven't really did my research. I only have my experiences and I've been very lucky enough to have enough experiences to kind of create my own little, say, infrasound. I love, I love this. I've had enough experiences to be able to, to stop and think when it's happening and take note you know, how do I quantify this? How do I quantify this feeling or what, how those guys are being affected? You know, well, maybe the, the wave of silence that comes and the wave of silence that goes away, you know, when the forest comes back to life. I mean, there's, there's things that can, can help you 
believe that no, that wasn't fear. That was actually something, you know, something that happened. But um, I, I don't want to go on and on about this. Yeah, we've pretty much anything you can think of, you know, uh, that goes along with when these creatures are around. And there again, I don't really talk about a lot of stuff. But yeah, no, there's there's been experiences there. I'm not now on the fence anymore. It's more of a why and how and you know why am I after having this love of this why am I here why why do I get this privilege you know and and what can I do what can I do to because I don't talk publicly about it you know what what can I do to to help these people because I I I fight this battle because I'm from central Illinois you don't talk about this although People have searched me, you know, searched for me and came to me and called me and said, hey, I'm from your area. This happened. Or my grandpa has this story. You know, I tell him, hey, you know, I, I make, we make toys. <laughs> I don't really know. But <laughs> uh, you step back and you're like, you know, I, I know more than this person. And all he's asking me is, hey, am I nuts? I can't give him that answer, but I can say, yeah, you know, that's happened. I've experienced that. You know, there's something there. I don't know what it is. You know, I can't fully explain it, but you're not your grandpa, you know, that my grandpa, my grandpa was a coon hunter there's a wealth of stories there but you, I don't, you know, and I wish he hadn't passed away because my mom is telling me these stories of, of what he thinks he had experienced, I'm like, why did nobody ever tell me this when I was younger it's like, <laughs> well, duh, you can't tell your kids, you know, I, got, I have a 10 year old he doesn't know what I do, he's not listening, you know, he's not on Facebook yeah, I can't go <laughs> home and say that's what I did this weekend or what I think happened. No, you don't. You don't do that. Um, but I guess I, what the, and you answered you know, the question was: I, I got. I'm very privileged to be able to go with with these gentlemen and and, and experience stuff. I kind of sit back and just watch, and they do their thing, and, and I've got to experience many, many different aspects of this whole phenomenon, and it's wonderful. You know, I don't go talk about it. At the conferences, you know, we sit there, but it does kind of irk me a little bit when people yeah. say, well, you don't do nothing but sell toys. No, my love for this, <laughs> our love for this manifests itself into this product, which is the very best, most professional representation that we can put forth. You know, this is this is backed up by, I mean, Gene didn't tell you, but he does the research involved and in, in how, which Native American folklore, what what, what is going to be. Our, our our standard Sasquatch. He is a, you know, the berry picking. I would probably run away from you before you knew I was there. Face, and that was on purpose because that's the representation that I want to be. You know, because I, I fully believe that you can't. If these things wanted to come out and harm you, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen, it, I would have witnessed it. You know, as torqued off as they can be. They want you out of that area now. They're screaming. They're banging rocks. They're throwing rocks. They're throwing mud. They're, they want you to get out of there. You know, they haven't done anything mean. And, and it took me a while to go from we got to get out there and provoke and, and try to make this happen to let's, let's not be as provoking. Let's just kind of be here and see what happens. And, and like I said, I get more and more I get questions. Uh, <laughs> I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's, um, when we have people on Monster X, we always invite them on to because the, the customers, because our listeners want to hear our guests. They don't really care too much about hearing from Shane and I anymore. But <laughs> but uh, I like, you know, it's interesting because you um, obviously have had some uh, uh, encounters of some kind that you can't explain by, by known animals, you know, so, and, and it shifted you from being on the fence to, um, feeling like this is uh, a actual entity that lives in the woods. So, uh, and it's inter- exactly. also interesting. What one of the things that you talk about? Because you um, over a beer, we you know, and we we went out and had beers and 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 at uh, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and you shared stories there. So some some people are you know more comfortable being really public with their stories, and other people are not, and that's. And it's just like you're talking about certain areas of the country. Here in Oregon, it's I find people are really receptive to talking about it. They're interested in in uh, 
the topic of Bigfoot, and you're saying, oh, that's not the case in Indiana. They, did you say Indiana or Illinois? One of the five states. Illinois, excuse me. So, and I actually uh, had a uh, a person who contacted me a while back about um, down by one of the airports seeing a Bigfoot, and that was kind of central Illinois that they said they saw Bigfoot at the perimeter of this this airport, and uh, it was when I looked on the maps and stuff, it looked sounded feasible to me. So, uh, it's it's interesting always dealing, you know, with with talking to lots of eyewitnesses, or when you people know that you're obviously, if people know what uh, that you make uh, these replicas, um, and and are looking for there, how many how many people that have had an encounter are looking for somebody to tell that to. It's it's fascinating because it is uh, you it is kind of providing a service to folks that that uh, have had an encounter and they. You say, am I crazy? And that's one of the questions. They don't want to go out and tell uh, people because they they don't want to be thought of as crazy or a liar or, or you know, all these negative connotations that come with saying, hey, I saw this, you know, something that most people don't give much thought to. And if they do, they think it, you know, it was found in a freezer in Georgia. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it is, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's uh, the topic itself. I, and obviously, you've had some pretty profound stuff happen. That uh, it, it does, Gunner. I don't want to be the guy you. that I, you know, the, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that says I've did this, you know, seventeen times. This is, you know, I, I I'm so not that. I've just right. been lucky enough to be under several different circumstances mm-hmm. during current well, happenings to. And if you go out into an area, I mean, if, uh, I've heard that a lot, too, of people giving people a hard time because they've had uh, multiple um, things that have happened that, that either they've had multiple sightings, they have, you know, and I, I, I'm i of the opinion that we're dealing with an animal that's transitory, not migratory. So they're, they'll, they have, may have a pretty good range that they go but I don't think they go from, you know, Alaska down to California. I don't think that they, they give a range. So I think if you have an area that that they're in and you're there at the right time and you can um, study their patterns enough, you know, that you can't it, – it's all about shrinking down. I always say, you know, it's a needle in a haystack with a moving needle. So if you can kind of predict where the – shrink the haystack down to where you think they might be, you're increasing your chances. We we've had a couple of uh, encounters now, sighting encounters in our research area. Um, unfortunately, both times uh, that this happened, well, may have been a third a third possible time, but two times for sure that the, the uh, our member was wasn't actually bigfooting. They were uh, doing something else and uh, weren't prepared <laughs> to to because uh, I would love to get a video of these two encounters but we weren't uh it was they weren't ready at the time they were doing something else and uh, driving down the oh, road wow. you don't necessarily think hey bigfoot's going to walk out the road and although there's a lot of you know a high number of bigfoot encounters or reports are road crossings which kind of makes sense yeah. so i'm um let's bring gene gene back on here gene uh when you're doing these um these replicas are any of those based on on uh, eyewitness uh, encounters, or this is a kind of a conglomerate of of images that that uh, you pull together. It's kind of a mixture. Um, I've talked to another. I've talked to a number of witnesses myself, and so that's kind of thrown in the stew. And then it's also a mixture of that, and then a certain amount of thing witness encounters I've read about through, you know, like obviously John Green's books and things like that. And, um, and then some other things to just kind of give it a little more, um, a little more pop because we are kind of selling an idealized version, but it's, you know, to go with maybe one specific encounter, it's kind of hard because there isn't a lot of consistency. One of the, one of the issues I have with modern reports is that it, theoretically so easy to just go on the internet and cobble together a cool sounding Bigfoot story. 
because you could say, you know, well, I heard the scream and then there was rocks thrown at me. And so I like to go back to earlier reports, you know, the classic reports like the, uh, uh, you know, like the, um, the William Rowe and stuff like that. And the, the Teddy mm-hmm. Roosevelt story about the trappers and things like that. Right. Uh, but where I can, I mix in, you know, witness descriptions. And then of course, you know, when we go to, uh, when we go to conventions or I talk to people online, there's invariably always that guy that's like, well, what you did doesn't look at all like the one I saw. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah. so just, you know, I just, I just very, you know, just very matter of fact, we say, Oh, that, that's cool. Um, I'd love to see your photos. <laughs> and then immediately yeah. the guy just plans up, well, you know, uh, or they send me like this truck, this picture of a stump or something like that, you know, the typical thing. And it's just, you know, it, so I've learned my, yeah, yeah my issue with a lot of it is like, I, I think most of the, uh, a lot of the stories and stuff, I think tend to be trumped up. A lot of people just looking for attention, but then, I hear guys like Jeff who tells me all this stuff and just the stuff he's talking about tonight. He's never even told me before a lot of it. So when it becomes an issue for me, when someone that I know and respect and trust talks about stuff like that, then it's like, okay, as far as I know, he's not, you know, a gibbering lunatic and I don't (laughs) think he's full of crap. So he's got to really be experiencing this stuff. Whereas, you know, people you don't know, you don't know what their issue is, you know. I like right. to I like to give people the benefit of doubt. I like to assume that someone, if they tell me something, they're not lying. But, you know, to go the next step and say, okay, how do you, how do you back this up? If you saw this, have you also experienced related phenomena in the area? You know, the, you know sounds, mm-hmm. did you catch anything on tape? Did you get any casts? you get any photos of trackways, things that are kind of corroborative evidence. But, uh, you know, when somebody like Jeff tells me a story like that, it's like, oh, it, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm not looking for reasons not to believe. I'm looking for reasons to support the fact that I'm already halfway there. So when I hear right. from somebody like him, then it gives me hope that, you know, there will maybe be something definitive in the coming years, you know, because I'm, I tend to be, I'm in the camp that uh, I don't think it'll ever be proved without a body. You know, I don't think anybody's going to get a photograph that's going to do anything. And to kind of casually speculate about whether they're human or some sort of a quasi-ape hybrid is Mm -hmm. pointless because you can't tell that without a biological dissection and without DNA and things like that. And and I think if they if these are a creature that are so hard to catch sight of that they that their uh, population numbers probably are in danger. So conceivably, if they're not proven to exist in the next you know say twenty five years, they could be they could be extinct in the next fifty years or less. You know because I don't I don't tend to believe that they're all across the United States. You know, it's a fun thing to think that they could be hanging out, you know, in the woods behind my house. But <clears throat> I just don't think that the uh, the evidence supports it. You know, and that's that, of course, comes back to the the skeptical viewpoint. I mean, I don't consider myself a skeptic in the modern sense where they just poo-poo everything that they that doesn't fit into their little myopic worldview. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to look at all this stuff with a certain amount of discernment and decide how much evidence is there for this. Unless of course, if you've had that come to Jesus moment, like some of the things Jeff's talking about, if I had had experiences like that, a certain amount of that stuff and you're starting to put an awful lot of checks in the, you know, pro Bigfoot call. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I I refer to that as the confirmation experience, you know, but, but that's exciting to me. You know, I've I've heard a lot of weird stuff and had had some weird activity. You know, I, I think I had a rock thrown in our direction. With I mean, uh, you know, we had some weird uh, sounds. We felt like we were being escorted out of the woods, but I didn't see Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I've ha- you know, 
uh, weird screams and, and, and when we, we are always recording audio stuff. So, uh, and we take a look at it in like sonic visualizer so we can tell whether or not it falls in the range of, uh, of a known animal or not. Mm-hmm. And, and we have stuff that fall into, you know, be, because you don't have a database of seeing Bigfoot making audio that you don't, it, right. you can't say this. Here we have a Bigfoot audio. We don't have a, uh, type specimen, just like we don't have a. I, I agree with you that it's either going to take a, a specimen alive or dead, or uh, some kind of. It would have to be a long-term uh, study by, uh, like Jane Goodall thing, with you know pieces of evidence, multiple corroborated uh, evidence, like DNA and and clear pictures and video and and mm-hmm. uh, you know and and more than. Which, if that all was easy to do, it it would we wouldn't be talking about are they? We'd be, you know, we'd know what they were. And um, we, I don't know if you guys heard the show last week with uh, Doctor Disatel, but he's talking about there's yes. this new DNA technology about um, that they can basically take dirt and sift the DNA out of it, basically, and and sort which um, what animals are in that dirt. Uh, and mm-hmm. and that holds some real possibility for you know if you know that you got an area that that uh, Bigfoot uh, frequents you know if you then maybe you could again it's not gonna you don't have a type specimen you don't have an but over time if you got uh, you know you're picking up dirt from different uh, wooded areas and and it, you get this DNA signature over and over again uh, you might not know what it is but but you have um, you know that there's some animal out there that's unknown that that's a primate or whatever that it comes back as. So that to me is pretty exciting. Of the possibility of, um, of course, the challenge is always financial, and uh, because it's not a cheap process to to uh, do this new te- te- uh, DNA technology. So, but it's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's all of it is a lot of things that are going on now with. Um, a lot of the groups trying to take a definitive step towards being more scientific in their own way. Mm-hmm. That is, that's the right direction to go as far as, you know, proving this. I mean, of course, you know, a lot of people are in the, have the attitude that, you know, why should you have to prove them, leave them alone and all that. But I think the, the bigger problem is that, you know, other than in the really remote areas, you know, like in the Olympic peninsula and things like that where or the depths of canada they're they're not going to be bothered there but if these things really are so spread out that their range is as broad or anywhere as near as broad as people seem to suggest by their sightings Mm -hmm. then there's there's a lot of populations of them that will be in danger just i mean i live in new jersey and we have an overabundance of black bears so much so that uh few years ago they started a a legal bear hunt where you could take a certain number of them a year because they're there's just too friggin many and even though the black bears tend to be fairly non-aggressive when they get too cl- close to human populations and things they become a nuisance and become dangerous you know we've had a couple instances here where a couple of uh, hikers got eaten because they just happened to catch them on a day when maybe they just weren't finding enough food to forage, you know, but, uh-huh. um, but I mean, in an instance like that, I mean, you compare bears like, uh, some of the, the talks that I've heard, um, Meldrum give, he talks about the, you know, theoretically the black bear maybe would have sort of a crossover in terms of, um, uh, feeding style with something like a Sasquatch, like they'd both be, omnivorous animal Mm -hmm. and uh and if that's the case then like in a place like where i live if there was a competitive population there's a lot of freaking bears thousands of bears obviously we're not and i see them march through my yard all the time with you know babies in tow i'm not seeing sasquatches march through my yard with families in tow but you're talking about probably a much smarter animal that uh, mm-hmm. would have would have to be if you're not seeing that many of them. But you know, I mean, I've read uh, I can't remember where I read it, whose book it was in, but I read about during uh, 
one of those African countries where they always seem to be in some sort of genocidal war. Um, the chimps that actually, the chimp, this one population of chimps, a tribe of them, had um, taken to traveling only at night so that they would avoid the soldiers during the day. So they, would, they became nocturnal by choice. They learned that it was too dangerous during the day, so they did all their foraging and stuff at night. So <clears throat> even an animal that's not, you know, I, I don't, I tend not to think that these things are as smart as people, but, you know, again, who knows? We don't have any data to base that on other than eyewitness data, which is not all that valuable scientifically. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you figure if chimps can learn to just kind of avoid people with that level of logic, then certainly something like this that may be smarter than chimps. Why not? Right. And that's always, a, 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 you know, one of the talking points is what are we, you know, uh, we're talking about something that's probably the smartest animal if, in the woods. And be, we, if, before debating whether or not they're animal or a tribe of people or whatever. But, I mean, I, I, I'm coming from the perspective that we're dealing with an animal. And they are, you know, they are are smart enough to, for the most point, a part avoid us and seem to know um, uh, where we're at. You know, you, you figure if there are any animal that comes in to uh, check us out, knows where they're, how they're getting out of there generally when they come in. So you're talking about an animal that is, is probably smarter than a deer or a, a chipmunk or, you know, so uh, I, I'm sure that they know. It's just like the debate about, uh, trail cams. Why do? Oh, how? Because not not necessarily they know that what a trail cam is or that it you know what it does. It just that it's a weird thing on one of the on a tree that they they uh, and they probably can smell it or hear the the gears in it. So it's, I don't think they avoid it for any supernatural reason. I think that you know or or that they can intellectualize what it what it does because if that was the case they'd avoid audio recorders and we have. Um, cases where something has come up to an audio recorder and and make ape like sounds. So it's I like it I think they I don't think they know what a camera is. I just think they tend to avoid something stuck to a side of a tree that uh they don't don't they don't think belongs there. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean you have to you have to eliminate the obvious things first, you know, the exactly. things that are, that we already know are inherent in the environment. You know, you have to know whether, and here's a good example that I always pull out when I'm talking about this stuff. <clears throat> my, um, my house backs right up onto the woods, but there's like a, there's maybe a hundred yards across. And then there's another development out behind me, but in between where the row of houses is, I live by, and the ones behind us, there's a ravine that's probably, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know, 50 yards across. And at mm-hmm. the bottom of the ravine, it goes down about 75 feet in the stream. <clears throat> now, animals can go through this ravine behind all the houses on either side. And unless you're looking over the little cliff, you don't see them. You know? And that's the way the bears kind of travel around and stuff and deer and everything else. And uh, in the one night, like around is 10 or 11 o'clock at night in the summer, had all the windows open <clears throat> and I'm walking through my studio and I hear this sound that sounded like kind of like a gorilla sound, you know, like that kind of like a pant hoot kind of thing, that weird kind of breathing and the monkey kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And I never heard anything like that around here. I mean, we have an owl that takes up residence in the tree out in front of the house during most of the summer, all sorts of weird stuff going on in the trees with like raccoons fighting and squirrels, the creepiest sound and stuff you ever heard. But I know what it is because I researched it. And then, um, you know, cats fighting in the wood, you name it, we got it. And then I heard this sound and just, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It was the creepiest thing I've ever heard. And so I asked around a few of my friends and come to find out my friend who lives like a couple of miles away, the uh, she would have a mama bear with her two cubs who'd come into the yard every night 
she would send the two babies up the tree next to her house, and then the mother would go around on the street, and this would be on garbage night every week. She'd knock over all the garbage cans and get all the get food for her and the babies. Then she'd come back and she'd make this weird sound, and the babies would come scurrying down the tree, and then they'd all split. <laughs> and <clears throat> that, it was the, she was ringing what, the dinner bell. <laughs> yeah. So what sounded to me like some creepy kind of primate sound was just another type of bear call that, you know, I wasn't familiar with, which doesn't mean anything. I'm no woodsman, but you know, another thing that I've heard, you hear a lot in the, um, in the literature, the talk of like the sound of like a woman screaming kind of thing Mm -hmm. in parts of New York state, there's fisher cats. And I had never, I had never, I had heard the name before, but I didn't know what they were. So, my friends moved upstate New York and she said that these animals just started coming back into their territory. And she said they freaked them out at first because they sound like somebody being stabbed to death. And so I went <laughs> online and I listened to it and it's like, you know, that could be one of the sounds that people are attributing to this animal because it sounds like a woman being stabbed to death, <laughs> you know? So you have to, you have to eliminate those things just like, you know, if you're, you and they always talk about how you have to know your traps so that when right. you're looking at you know the the forepaw print of a mountain lion or something or the back footprint of a bear that you're not assuming that that's something else you know you've got to right. eliminate the natural world before you start getting into the cryptic world you know and that's as i've i've talked to people in the community who are like you know because obviously my I believe in the possibility, but, you know, I don't believe every single thing I hear. And I talked to one person once who was telling me that they don't like to read books on the subject. They like to experience the creatures in their own habitat. So just to play devil's advocate, I said, you know, well, so, so you must have had a lot of cool firsthand experiences. And she was like, oh, no, no, but I saw a track once. So she sent me a photo (laughs) of... She sent me a photo of a muddy hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool. So that's right there. I mean, you know, what the hell? I mean, if people enjoy doing it and have fun. If they want to go out in the woods and play Dungeons and Dragons, make them believe everything Sasquatch, you know, good for them. But that type of mentality doesn't further the cause of, proving its existence or whatever your motivation may be, whether it's that or whether it's just getting a firsthand experience, but everybody's got their own motivations for being out there doing it, I guess, you know? Exactly. And that's, and that's true. Not everybody is out there trying to confirm their existence, but we're getting pretty close to, to being out of time. Jeff, are you still there? I am here. Okay. Just enjoying the conversation. Yes. So um, I I did want to take uh, this opportunity to thank both of you gentlemen for joining us here today on Monster X. Folks are going to be looking for uh, Creature Replica. Where can they get their their own, um, say, exclusive Skookum that is running out shortly or or your other replicas? Well, the best place to get our products is on our website on creaturereplica.com. Um, some different retailers occasionally carry them, but um, you can ask your local comic stores to see if they want to order them through Diamond Previews. But generally speaking, the most direct way to get them is through us. And we periodically run specials on shipping and things like that. So if they keep, pe- keep their eyes peeled on the site, then... Uh, you might be able to get a set of figures with reduced shipping if you time it right, you know. So mm-hmm. that, that's so, the best place to look. All right, CreatureReplicate.com. Uh, Jeff and uh, Gene, I want to thank you again for joining us today on Monster X. Um, I hear you guys are going to be at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. One or both of you? That's right. All right. So you can also, if you're headed to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, be sure and check out Re- Creature Replica. I, I hope to see you guys this, this year at uh, the International Bigfoot Conference. I'll be up there. Uh, 
thanks everybody for listening this this uh, week. Joining us next weekend is uh, Mother's Day weekend. Uh, we'll have a show for you if it's pre- it may be pre-recorded, but anyway, we will catch you next week uh, with a brand new Monster X Radio. Thanks guys for joining me. Have a great week. Squatch out. Thanks, Thanks Jenner. Bye. Bye.